electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, the daily podcast brought to you by the team behind Squawk Box. NYC, this is CNBC Control 2. CNBC's essential morning show. PCR 2. Every day, get the best stories, debate, and analysis from the biggest names in business and politics. All right, we're coming to it next. Today, Senator Pat Toomey on what we need and don't need to keep the U.S. economy going. We should really try to avoid a big trade war with uh, the European Union. Sports betting goes mainstream. We'll talk to Ted Leonsis, who owns three teams in Washington, D.C. This is news. This is actual news. Is it not, guys? We want to focus on creating new products for a new generation. We don't want to keep this in a niche. And is fear spreading from the markets to Main Street? 41% of the public pessimistic about the current state of the economy and about the future. We've got those stories and much more from Airbnb to the drive-thru. What are you doing? I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. It's Thursday, October 3rd, 2019. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. The Dow plunging more than... First up on the podcast today is the American economy slowing down. October had a dramatic start in the U.S. stock markets. The first two days of the month, the Dow Jones Industrial Average plunged more than 800 points. Why? Well, a key trigger was a disappointing report out Tuesday. The ISM Manufacturing Purchasers Manager Index. It's a mouthful. ISM manufacturing shows factory activity in America, and in September it dropped into contraction for the second month in a row and hit its lowest level since 2009. Stalling in the manufacturing sector could indicate that the escalated trade war between the U.S. and China is taking a bite out of the economy here. Manufacturing was considered a winner under the Trump administration with gains in employment. On Squawk Box today, we shared further details on sentiment about the economy from CNBC's All America survey. It's a nationwide poll among American adults that we do several times a year with bipartisan pollsters, public opinion strategies, and heart research. Those polled are asked how they think and feel about the value of key things in their lives. Homes, salaries, what they buy, investments. And as you'll hear, for the first time in a while, pessimism is on the rise. Okay, Mr. Leisman is here. He is in the house, on the set, with the one and only latest All-America survey. Can you, is this, I'm selling it here for you. I, I am, but I just want to give Joe an opportunity. What to, wait, give him a second. Let me just finish, let me finish I lo- naming it I, up for you. I look, for, not I look forward to every, I look forward to every Saturday. The all I, I love, Amer- I love NCAA. The I do. All-America survey focuses on how folks are feeling about the economy. It's been a rough week, as we all know. Uh, on the data front, and tomorrow yeah. is the jobs report. And Mr. Leesman, as I said, is in the house. Yeah, this is actually all about it. it's actually not a laughing matter. Americans' attitudes towards the economy taking a sharp turn downward in the third quarter. CNBC All America Economic Survey with 41 percent of the public pessimistic about the current state of the economy and about the future. The good news, attitudes about the current state of the economy, they were little changed this quarter. The big move came from a seven point drop in the outlook for the future. That's the biggest quarterly drop in that measure since 2011. 
The decline in optimism was picked up across political parties. But in a sign that impeachment could be having an impact, we conducted it last week. The largest drop has been registered among Republicans. Hmm. This poll of 800 uh, people nationwide uh, f- also found that more than half of Republicans said they were concerned that impeachment could hurt the economy and the stock market. It's the first time in the 11 polls we've conducted during the Trump presidency that the pessimists outnumber the uh, optimists. Can I just ask real quick, when, when you've done the, you've been, how many years have we been doing 12 years. 12, 12 years. years, yeah. It's been 12 years already. And how good has you it been? You haven't changed a bit. How, is it, how good has it been as an indicator in terms of market and economy and separate them? It's a very good coincident indicator with what's going on in the market. Okay. It's quite remarkable that you say coincident, but forward-looking or backward-looking? In other words, coincident. At the moment, it moves moves really well with the headlines. The people who responded to the poll, which were different every poll, uh, completely missed the boom market of the uh, last, in the last presidency. Okay. And they're a little bit more optimistic now. Um, but, okay, I just want to say very quickly, chicken or egg, we don't know. Is it the politics it, it, affecting well, the economic outlook, Steve, the economic outlook affecting you know, the politics? Elizabeth Warren has, has risen in the polls. Trump, maybe, you know, you've got the, the impeachment overhang. We've had, we've had discussions about whether presidents really matter on the big frame of things with recessions, growth, whatever. But there are some people that argue, I mean, we had an analyst in that gave three parts of the stock market that you should actually either be selling or buying puts on if you think that her chances get better, healthcare, banks, and technology. So, I mean, the, the political backdrop yeah. is going to matter on how people feel about the, the decline of the in economy. optimism among Republicans was stunning. 13 sure. points down among those I mean, who say the economy will get better. By the way, that uh, was last week, not this week. Independence, Joe, only down by a point right. in that measure. So they're less affected by that. We talk about this company all the time. Bed Bath & Beyond, same store sales. They fell 7% in the latest quarter despite my vaporizer or humidifier sale. You bought it there? Yes, online, no less. Oh, uh, worse than expected. The retailer also cutting its earnings outlook for the year, and the company says it is making progress in a search for a new, oh my goodness, permanent CEO. And Joe... This could be an opportunity for you. Could run this. Could run. I, could I know run. how much you care deeply about this company. You know, the first thing I do is bring in. Like, what would you do? What's your first move? Start selling beds because it's bed, bath, and beyond. I mean, I think people get confused. The bed business has not been a good business. Casper? Today. Well, Casper has been a decent business, but if you look at the, the sort of. I know. Mattress. That, mattress but, sale, mattress. Because they don't have a lot of creativity. They call it. You know what they call the company? What's that? The mattress company. I mean, it's like. Mattress firm. The mattress firm. Oh, but that is a play on firm words, firm right? Yeah, yes. firm Firm. It's a firm. Exactly. It's tough okay. business. There's too uh, many people involved. In. Short-term home rental company Airbnb is set to hire Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs as joint lead advisors on its planned public market debut next year, according to Reuters. Airbnb is reportedly leaning towards going public through a direct listing rather than an IPO. We've talked a lot over the last week or so about how the mood in Silicon Valley is really one where if they can uh, stick it to the bankers, they'd like to do that. Uh, You have not seen incredibly successful IPOs for many of these cases. But then again, if you look at direct listing with Slack, that's not exactly an argument for something working out either. So this is a bit of a different example, I think. It's a profitable company. Right. Uh, which is different. It actually is a digital company, so there is scale to it. Um, They don't have heavy costs. There's not not crazy costs, and it's a global business. So, look, 
all of these all of these stories right now, I think, are valuation stories. Okay. It's not so much are they, are they good or t- terrible businesses. We can argue whether WeWork is a good or terrible business or some of these others. But I think the issue is, you know, have the have the private markets outpace the public markets. And what's and the, the, what's the numbers for the latest round of funding for Airbnb? Oh, what goodness. I think the... we're over $30 billion, maybe $35 billion. I'll give you a, 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 a valuation of Airbnb right now. $35 billion is the latest uh, number that I'm looking at right now. On yeah, Airbnb. and I guess that's the whether question. That's, whether that's right I don't know. or not yeah. is the fundamental question. And whether, these, whether all these venture capitalists have, have effectively you know, marked these things up is the, is the issue. Yeah, By the, the way, question. it's not just the venture capitalists who are marking these things up. That's the other piece of it. It's the, it's public, the public and markets right. uh, the that, that have done it as well. Funds have gotten into it. Um, well, you're not, you know, the people putting up the money are not, you know, sticking them up at gunpoint either. They're, they're willing participants in this at those levels. Yeah, right? but are there still people who will be willing to run it higher in the public Oh, I don't know. But I mean, I, I don't blame the, the people that are raising oh, the either. money that, you I don't know, either, everyone but tripping over themselves to get into these things. But oh. did things... 100%. Yeah. Get out of hand. I may stay in one. You may Airbnb? stay in an Airbnb. Finally. Good for you. I didn't do it. Someone has one, and it's a wedding, and I, I don't know. It's nice. You'll be happy. I'm not a germaphobe, so I'll be okay. But what, what do you use typically? You got that spray stuff over there right now? Uh, What's that? The lavender. This. I, I know we're not supposed to advertise, but I'll just tell you. Compared to Purell, this is called EO Essential Oils Organic Hand Sanitizer. <laughs> Let me just say, it smells better. Your hands don't get, um, right? We like this. Okay, okay. Now you're making me uncomfortable. Okay. I, I, you use it too, don't you? Yeah, but I'm not pitching My it. favorite time is when a guest tries to shake your hand and you, you pretend you're really close and you give him a fist bump. And it's it, like, I'm doing that because I like you. It's not because I don't want to shake your sweaty hand. This is a better one. I'm sorry, I don't want to shake your hand after this. Yeah. I'm sick. I'm sick. I we have guests who come in, and as you know, this is occasionally first time, this we have like 30 guests a day that sometimes you... their first time on TV, and they're a little anxious, and so their their palm is a What's little sweaty. What's your excuse? What's your their palm's a little sweaty. America's workforce is changing, not just in size, but where they live too. A new study from LinkedIn shows that more professionals are avoiding high cost cities during their job search as more affordable cities rise in popularity. Joining us right now to reveal the winners and losers is Dan Roth. He's the editor-in-chief at LinkedIn. And, Dan, this may be the end of an era. I mean, we've looked at these cities, these high-cost cities. The reason they've gone up and up and up in cost is because more and more people were trying to fly in there. What yeah, you- that is a tipping point. I mean, we see a there is a correlation between it when housing prices exceed 30 percent of people's average incomes. You cannot keep top talent in those cities. San Francisco, 51 percent. Housing cost to income, mm-hmm. people are leaving, and they, that's true. They're going to lower cost cities like Phoenix, uh, Minneapolis. And these are places that you wouldn't have thought of as being talent magnets. These are the new places that are attracting. Okay, people. so this is bad for the big cities, but is this great for the country? I mean, this is sort of feeds into the sort of Steve Case, the rise of the rest, and, and I mean, yeah, Steve has been a lonely voice in this for a long time. He is he's been he's been right. I mean, you you were seeing people, and what's interesting is they go to these bigger cities. They absorb what they need to on how these and how the companies that are working there in San Francisco is absorbing the tech scene and then taking it to smaller or uh, right. uh, other cities and, and bringing their smarts with them. And it means that for these companies that are located in these high cost cities, they're starting to have to think about flexible workforces. How do you how do you find engineers in other places? How do you make sure that you can have people living in some of these smaller cities and still working for you? You think of this as a good thing or a bad thing, whether if this. It's not it's necessarily a, a zero-sum game, right? So th- this may be just a better distribution 
I think it's a great of thing. People. As someone from Louisville, Kentucky, and has always wondered why people don't move back there, the idea that you don't have to be in a big city, but in, in a coastal city, but can go and live somewhere else and still have all the benefits you, of working for a great company, the, that's the great. commutes, people are taking longer yeah. and longer commutes. I mean, it's crazy. So will the employers follow suit? Absolutely. I mean, employers have to. They, the, the biggest battle right now is to get the right talent in. You, you are competing in a global marketplace, and you're competing. Everyone is competing for the same type of people. And so you've got to follow the people. This hiring is still strong. We just had our monthly job numbers came out, 1.1% increase in hiring month over month. There is still demand for people. It is still a so workers' the, market. It's still a workers' market, yeah. and that's counter to what we saw yesterday with ADP. There were people right. saying, okay, wait, maybe this is not good news. Maybe it means bad news for Friday's jobs employment number, and you say, no, that's not the case? We see kind of a stratification going on where there is a growth in certain sectors, software and IT, growth in hiring. Uh, anything goods producing, anything where the tariffs might be hitting is seeing a drop. So agriculture, manufacturing, in fact, we've seen about a 5% decrease in hiring in manufacturing since its peak last year. Well, um, Dan, thank you. This is really interesting. Come back, update us. All right. Thanks a lot. The fast food wait times uh, have gotten longer. A new performance study found that customers spend about 20 seconds more time. Waiting for food. Back. I want them back. And drive through lines compared to last year, which makes no sense because everybody's digitizing everything. The chain with the fastest uh, drive through time, Dunkin' Donuts, with an average wait time of 216 <laughs> seconds. Chick-fil-A was the slowest in the study with an average time of 323 seconds. And it is, it's, it's not that your actual wait time is long. It's when you're in the line right. that, it, when there's someone in front. But, you know, it. At some of these places, I, I see what people order. They order these customized drinks and stuff, and I get really annoyed when I finally see six different frappuccinos, some with this, some with that. And you're, sometimes you're there 10, 15 minutes. When you're yeah. at the Starbucks? No. Yeah, where are you? McDonald's? Yeah. Where's that happening? McDonald's. McDonald's. Yeah, make it easy. Mm-hmm. Out of my way. I saw actually someone yesterday. It was on a different network. But you see Bet- Beto got his flu shot? No. Oh, you didn't see that? No. He, he filmed his whole flu shot, you know. But, like his tooth? Yeah, and, and, yeah, yeah. he liked that, but he did his whole flu shot. And, and the uh, person, the commentator talking about it, the anchor reporting on it said, I get needles all in my face every three months. So this does that. And, and everybody else was like, wow. She goes, she goes, I'm 50 and I'm on TV and I don't care who knows, I get needles in my face all the time. Go girl, I, that's what I was. thought. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I was proud of her. I have not done that. I I haven't yet either, but only because I'm afraid. You're 30 years old, Sorkin. What do you mean, no, you haven't? Of course you have. I hope not. Not yet. God almighty. I'll meet him eventually. You would to to stay stay young? I wonder if any of this conversation makes the Squawk podcast. Go to the the markets. You know you're selling it. You're selling it. No, I think this is good. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, Republican Senator Pat Toomey sounds the alarm on the 2020 Democratic tax plans. One good way to do a lot of economic damage, really, really far left ideas that we haven't entertained in America in, gosh, I don't think in my lifetime. Back after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager.
This is Squawk Pod. It's Katie again. I'm jumping in here before we get going. This next interview is with Senator Pat Toomey. Some background. Senator Toomey is a Republican from Pennsylvania, and he serves on the Senate Finance, Banking, and Budget Committees. So he's a good person to ask about the tax plans from Democratic presidential candidates, especially after Senator Elizabeth Warren unveiled her lobbying tax proposal on Wednesday. Okay, you're caught up now. Here's Becky Quick. Senator, we have not gotten a chance to talk to you about what you think uh, of these most recent plans we've heard um, coming out of uh, not only Elizabeth Warren, but also Bernie Sanders. Well, good morning, Becky. You know, one good way to do a lot of economic damage, uh, these incredible tax proposals, um, really, really far left ideas that we haven't entertained in America in, gosh, I don't think in my lifetime, the idea that we'll confiscate people's assets these you know, huge tax increases uh, on, on business, on capital, on income. And, you know, if, God forbid, our Democratic friends take complete control of the elected government, they will do these things. There's, there's little doubt in my mind. So um, it's really important that we push back. With um, all the talk of inequality and concerns and, and what you've seen kind of play out in the electorate, it's probably no surprise that you're seeing kind of this battle take place at this point. What, what do you think? Well, so I look at it differently. I, I think it's uh, amazing to me that at this moment, when we have record low unemployment, all-time record low unemployment for, for groups that have historically had traditionally higher unemployment, we have wage growth accelerating. It's accelerating the most at the lowest end of the income spectrum. So in this economy, we're narrowing the income gap. This is the moment when the U.S. is outperforming the entire world, when asset prices have been very strong. And this is the moment when socialism is on the rise. And our Democratic colleagues are deciding, you know, never mind all this. Let's 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 move in the direction of Venezuela. It's incredible to me. Senator, I, I don't know if the, if the Democrats' approach is the right one or not, uh, but I'll tell you what I find amazing. What I find amazing is that we have uh, remarkable inequality in this economy that you talk about being as good as it is. You have deficits which are rising at record rates. I mean, that's what's, that's what's amazing. And so my question to you is, okay, if you don't like the Democrats' plan, which, which I completely accept on its face, what, what is the Republican plan to deal with these issues, both the inequality issue and separately the deficit issue? Well, so, so two things. First of all, what we're witnessing right now, as you know, is accelerating wage growth, right? And accelerating wage growth most pronounced at the low end of the income spectrum. So strong growth is proving to be diminishing the gap in, in income and the, the inequality gap. Um, as far as deficits go, look, I said uh, for decades now, we've got to restructure the big entitlement programs. They are not sustainable. They are all designed to grow faster than GDP, and no government program can grow faster than GDP indefinitely. And these giant plans, Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, are doing exactly that. They need to be restructured. But, Senator, and even, of course, even if you cut you know, out 10 per- even if we all decide that there's, there, there's fraud and waste and all sorts of other things, and you can cut it down by, let's say, 10%, which would be a, a minor miracle in this environment right now, the question is, ultimately, do you need to raise more revenue? And how do you do that? So I don't think that's the best way to do this. And, and in fact, raising more revenue doesn't solve the problem of big programs growing faster than the economy, right? The revenue won't grow faster than the economy. And the, so, so they're unsustainable. The good news is we don't have to make any draconian cuts. We don't have to throw people off programs. What we need to do is pick a date in the reasonably near future 
and begin to modify the, the program. Senator Toomey, let's get back to the economy that you were talking about. That's why we see the concerns that we've seen in the markets over the last couple of days. Do you have concerns uh, based on what's coming out there? Do you think the market is right to be sniffing out some of these issues that are out there? We're watching every economic number very closely right now. My view is that the, the combination of adverse trade developments and uncertainty about where we're going on trade has had a chilling effect on corporate investment. That seems to be the, the area that's been leading the deceleration. Fortunately, really, really strong on the service side and on the consumer side. And so I don't think that we're heading to a recession anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But uh, we don't need a new trade war. We don't need a new front on the existing trade wars. We ought to be working hard to get those resolved. I commend the administration for making progress with Japan on expanding trade. Uh, we should really try to avoid a big trade war with uh, the European Union so you're uh, against because the tariffs, that will put further breaks. You're against uh, well, look, the WTO you know, action and w- then what, the tariffs that we're looking. So the WTO uh, you know, announced what we've known all along. The Europeans have subsidized Airbus. And mm-hmm. despite that, of course, we know that Boeing outperforms Airbus. Boeing has had record sales. The only American competitor has done great in the face of those ongoing subsidies. What I hope the administration does is use this as the moment to negotiate a settlement here. Let's get an agreement that we're not going to have subsidies for these, um, for these giant companies. Um, I think the Europeans are probably in a place where they might be willing to do this. Hmm. And, and I think that's, that's how this ought to end. What do you think about the trade war with China? I know you've given the administration kudos uh, for going after intellectual property theft, but you don't like the tariffs. Where do you think this winds up? You know, at this point, clearly that's the tool the president has used to pressure China to change their ways. Uh, I do put China in a different category than, you know, our allies. But uh, I hope we don't have a, uh, you know, a, a continued acceleration in this um, I think there's a reason both sides ought to want an agreement by early, mid next year, and I hope we can get there. Senator Toomey, thank you for your time. It's good to see you. Thanks for having me. Coming up, we're going to talk about a new partnership just announced this morning between gaming company William Hill and Washington Wizards owner Monumental Sports and Entertainment. And you'll know the guy big time. Ted Leonsis will be here. And William Hill's Joe Asher. We couldn't get William Hill. Uh, I don't know. Um, Who's the guy in Goodfellas? Henry Hill. Anyway, stay tuned. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. And Joe Biden. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Here's Joe Kernan. We've got some uh, big news in the sports gambling world this morning. A new partnership between gaming company William Hill and the owner of the Washington, D.C.'s Wizards, Mystics, uh, and Capitals. 
Ted Leonsis is the founder, chairman, and CEO of Monumental Sports and Entertainment, the company that owns the Washington Wizards, Mystics, and Capitals. He's an internet industry pioneer who helped grow AOL, remember that, into a global phenomenon. Ted is co-founder and partner at D.C.-based venture capital firm Revolution Growth. He also serves on the board of governors of the NBA and the NHL, as well as the boards of American Express and Groupon. So, Ted, sports, tech. Ted joined Joe Asher, the CEO of online betting site William Hill, on Squawk this morning to discuss their new partnership in legal sports gambling. This is news. This is actual news, is it not, guys? Can you, can you tell us what's happening? Uh, Ted, you start out. What, what, what you, uh, or Joe, uh, since you're William Hill. Hey, Jeff. Yeah, look, uh, we're excited today. Uh, we've been working with our friends here at Monumental for a while to try to uh, get over the line, and we have, and we're going to build a, uh, a brand-new sports book here inside of the uh, Capital One Arena in the heart of Washington, D.C. We're really excited about it. It's going to be accessible to folks from the street as well as uh, from the arena, and it'll be the first uh, sports book inside of a uh, of a sports arena here in the U.S. So we're, we're looking forward to getting going with it. Ted is very excited about uh, using interactive data and the sports book to make a more um, exciting um, experience for our fans, uh, give fans a rooting interest in the teams, and we will work very, very closely with the people at William Hill to make sure that this is a best-in-class, uh, most modern um, um, sports book, but more importantly, we want to uh, start to drive towards the future where big data and gamification really ups the game and, and makes uh, a broader base for, for sports gaming and gambling. What's the future look like, Joe, in terms of this? It, it, in five years, will there be betting everywhere in, in, in arenas uh, for every sport? Well, you know, look, right now this is rolling out on a state-by-state basis. So the Supreme Court ruled, of course, last year that it was up to the states to decide what they wanted to do uh, with sports betting. Some states are moving uh, uh, quicker than others. Uh, And the states are all doing it a little bit differently, and I think that's to be expected. Clearly, in the future, uh, the the bulk of the betting is going to be on mobile. I mean, that's the case in Nevada today where we do over 70% of our business uh, on mobile devices, and, and it's a higher percentage uh, for us elsewhere, that'll continue, but there's still a big, big role to be played for retail sportsbook in that retail environment where people can congregate, get together with friends, have a few drinks. And in addition to a sportsbook, this is going to be a great bar restaurant. We're working with uh, one of the leading guys uh, in the industry to develop a great concept for it. So it'll be a place where people can come and not you know, just transact, go up to the counter, make their bed and leave but hang out, spend a few hours, and really enjoy a great social experience. Ted, what brings up a good point for, yeah. for people who own venues, um, right. like we do here in Washington, D.C., it brings the building alive on a, a longer basis. Right now, most of our activity is obviously 7 o'clock to 11 o'clock during game nights. Uh, we drive 3 million people through the turnstiles here, and Now the city uh, downtown, we can bring people in, have lunch. They can be watching um, on all of the televisions here, games from around the world. They can learn about odds. They can learn about gaming. They can place bets. And as Joe said, we want to bring a fine dining experience and make this uh, a destination for the city. 
We kind of do that here, I think, with people watch us and kind of can do things on their mobile phones, too, with stocks and, and, and things like that. Does it, well, you, are your teams going to be worth more? What, what, what does it all add up to, Ted, for, for professional sports? Yeah, uh, ratings. The, the, yeah, and ratings and gambling. I think this is a big part of the future of the game, not only is it a new revenue stream, I think it'll make our media rights more valuable. I think we have seen through fantasy gaming uh, that the more interactive a fan is, the more they're understanding what data they can interact with, uh, the more they'll watch the games on television or their mobile devices. I also think coming into the arena, we have to continue to make sure that we're investing in new technology, and, and we will make sure, working with William Hill, that the right. sports book is a part of the fabric of what the fan experience is. Hey, guys, let me ask you the, the skeptical question about this. Is How much do you worry about a backlash? And we're not there yet, obviously. But at some point, and this happened in the U.K. and elsewhere, you had situations especially on mobile devices and other things where, you know, right now, so much of this is regulated. So if you're in Vegas and you're betting on a sports book and you get drunk, we talked about this with a guest actually a couple weeks ago, um, you know, they cut you off, both from the alcohol and the ability to bet. Uh, that becomes a lot tougher when it comes to mobile, when it comes to some of these other environments. And then there becomes a liability issue. Then there becomes a headline risk issue. How much of that is on your mind? Look, I think it's always in our mind uh, to be responsible and to make sure our, our, our customers are, are uh, behaving and enjoying our product on a responsible basis. We put a big focus on it. Uh, you point out that there's been regulatory backlash uh, in other parts of the world and in the U.K., and it's really not specific to sports, right? It's, it's gaming uh, more broadly. And so uh, I think, you know, the American Gaming Association, I'm on the board. It's something that we pay uh, a lot of attention to, and I think it's incumbent upon all uh, operators to to um, act responsibly. But is there something to, is there something to do differently, Joe? Is there something that I mean? Is there a lesson learned in in in, in the experience across the across the uh, pond, as they say? Yeah. Well, I think the big the big lesson is to be careful and, and watch out and try to get ahead of of, of these issues uh, before there does uh, uh, have a before you do have a, a big backlash. And so uh, you know wh- whether that's monitoring what customers are doing very carefully, keeping an eye out. Uh, for folks who, who, who may be uh, having a problem or there's other, other type of uh, inappropriate activity, uh, whether it's in your facility. Frankly, it's, it's, it's something that I think applies across the spectrum for, you know, for business owners uh, more broadly. Uh, and, and it's obviously something in our industry that we're very much focused on. Yeah, we're, we're very focused on. And one of the reasons we chose to partner with William Hill, they have 85 years of experience in this, but they're solely focused on sports gaming and and betting. Uh, They're not a big hospitality company and general casino kind of business, and we want to focus on creating new products for a new generation. And for me, the most important thing is growing the market. We we don't want to keep this in a in a niche. We want to make this a um, uh, interactive gaming business that has relevance and and can serve all of our fans. Hey, Ted, uh, whenever you've been coming on a long time, we always used to call you billionaire, Ted Leonsis. So you, you've got investments all over the place. Are they, you still got investments in the stock market? And do you, did yesterday and the day before, or did it give you pause? Did you sell everything? Are you, are you not sleeping well at night? No, I'm sleeping well at night. Um, and most of my investments are in private companies and through Revolution and private companies, and right now the 
The IPO market is pretty choppy, and so I, I like where we are with, um, with a lot of our investments. A company like Sport Radar, which we're an investor in, which is also in the sports gaming business, is doing very, very well. And, and I try to look at the global uh, business environment, and right now the sports gaming industry on a global basis is growing and very healthy. Well, and he's happy, too, because the Capitals won their opener and the Mystics are in the finals. Very good. Um, yeah, the Washington team, that's the teams that are doing pretty well. All right, but hope springs eternal for the Redskins. Thanks, guys. That's the show for today. On our rundown tomorrow, Jobs Friday. Unemployment in America is the lowest it's been in decades, but is the growth of new jobs created enough to stem worries about the health of the broader economy? We will nerd out about all of it. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Glad to see you've mellowed with it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Botox saved me because I kind of look the same. Uh, don't I? Yeah. Keep thinking that. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. And we are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 